you have found the space between art and science. I'm your host, Erica Ruby. Thank you for joining us for episode two of our podcast. Today's episode features Liliana Conles Gallegos, a self-described uncivil disruptor who doesn't know her place. Later, John F. Barber reviews the recent book by Tulani Davis, Nothing But the Music, documentaries from nightclubs, dance halls, and a tailor shop in Dakar. Today's featured talk by Liliana Conles Gallegos is titled Decolonization Through the Expansion of Borders, a Chicana indigenous mestiza transborder Nepantlera activista's consciousness of resistance provides a vision toward a new media architecture uniting the arts, sciences, and culture. This talk was a presentation of the Leonardo Education and Art Forum at the College Art Association 2021 conference and was recorded in the United States during the final weeks of the Trump presidency. Please enjoy. Hello, thank you to the organizers. My name is Liliana Conles Gallegos and I'm an Associate Professor of Communication Studies at Cal State San Bernardino. I come to you today as a Chicana Indigenous Mestiza Transborder Nepantlera Activista, for which I will use the acronym SIPNA from now on. SIPNA. And I refrain from using terms such as uh, labels, such as Latina or Hispanic, because these terms are misnomers that enable and reproduce oversimplified perceptions of a very diverse population with very different and unique experiences and points of view. And Chicano identity particularly refers to a consciousness of resistance informed by decolonial knowledge of the history of colonization and our legacy and in the indigenous peoples of America. Uh, the title of my presentation is Decolonization Through the Expansion of Borders, a Chicana Indigenous Mestiza Transborder Nepantlera Activista's Consciousness of Resistance provides a vision toward a new media architecture uniting the arts, sciences, and culture. Uh, current plans for a diverse, equitable, and inclusive future are appropriative when they disregard the contributions of marginalized border people. Here on after, I will use the acronym MBP and diverse frames and perspectives of which my Chicana Indigenous Mestiza Transborone Plantlera Activista Simna Conocimiento en Conciencia is one example. These plans are imagined as the culmination of a homogenous universal process towards the future, referred to as innovative or liberal. The overt binary and hierarchical discourse presented by the current presidency and the extended conditions of the COVID-19 epidemic is dismantling the institutionalized and quotidian Eurocentrism and supremacy of such perspectives. A larger populace is questioning the goals of modernity whose antecedent is coloniality. Not everyone is experiencing the effects of the pandemic in the same way. Some are experiencing harsher instability and death. More people than ever are being pushed to enter border or liminal Lepantla-like states. Uh, for Chicana theorist Gloria Saldúa, Nepantla is a border place where multiple forms of reality are experienced simultaneously in perpetual tension and conflict. It is also a time where individuals experience loss of control, suffer anxiety and confusion. Thoughts and beliefs are questioned. The colonial Eurocentric idea of empire building envisioned as the expansion of homogenous nations and identities bordered from dichotomous others as the future. Yet the future is an expansion of borders themselves, that liminal space in between, which exposes its inhabitants to visualize the failure of hierarchization, dichotomies, generalizations, where resistance proposes remixes, heterogeneity, pluriverse, and the past as a window to the future. Being undocumented is one of the many life experiences uh, suffered by MBP who have endured and survived over 
about 500 years of continuous pandemic-like conditions, literal and metaphoric, abused by institutions with unfair wages, working in inhumane conditions, separated and unable to be with their families, incarcerated, murdered, with no representation and limited access to resources and opportunities. Out of this perpetual existence in Nepantla, Ansaldúe explains that some acquire the identity of Nepantleros, or quote, boundary crossers, thresholders, who initiate others in rites of passage, activistas, who from listening, receptive, and spiritual stance, rise to their own visions and shift into acting them out, haciendo mundo nuevo, making a new world, one that acknowledges the humanity of the other. With being Sintna comes a deep consciousness and a sense of self that does not rest on external forms of identification that come with attachments to power, privilege, and control. Instead, as a sitna, I constantly shift to uphold publicly intimate ways of identifying which relate to sharing, upcycling, repurposing, a culture of exchange with a sense of community, with the consciousness that there are other identities and experiences out there, similar. My consciousness of belonging to the invisible community of those who strive for truth, beauty, and justice has preserved me from feeling isolated. Those are Einstein's words and they resonate with the symptom cosmovision as it is fueled by a need for survival activism and a sense of connection with marginalized communities out there from past, present and future. Though apparently parallel transgenerational decolonial goals have different genealogies that the innovative, which thrives for inclusion, experiential knowledge production, experimental open source publication models to make information you know, more accessible and foster a decentralized vision for media arts and sciences and technology. These goals seem universally new as a result of a Eurocentric and privileged perspective of the future from having continuous access to digital technological platforms, the same which expose individuals to ideologies of modernity and their effects, and which have functions like functioned like massive objects that cause distortion, coloniality, hierarchy, binary thinking in space-time. They appear new due to the gaps in the mainstream superficial understanding of the general relativity of identity-based human experience. And this general relativity is evidenced in the effects of our colonial past as explained through Quijano's concept of coloniality, which is an ongoing invisible spawn of dichotomous hierarchy embedded within the matrix of power, old for us, new for others, which are in the digital live streaming of the murders, violence, and physical abuse inflicted on African-American, Black, Latino, and Indigenous people at the hands of police, immigration officers, and random white supremacists of all races across the country. Digital technology exposes oblivious individuals to some of the many consequences of coloniality's reckless dichotomization and hierarchization of identity markers, such as race. The ideology that markers the racial identity and culture serve as signs or for categorizing, such as within first, second, and third worlds in an imagined competition toward imposed and universalized Eurocentric modernity goals begets those false dichotomies through the imposition of multidimensional man-made ideological borders systematically taught as organic binaries, such as the ones between MVP arts and culture and science and technology. Within this fabricated dichotomy, assimilation into the Anglo-Western European culture and dismissal then of MVP cultures has been a prerequisite for reaching an imposed version of success. 
through a deficit paradigm, cultural rejection and resistance to the supremacist exclusionary function of coloniality and modernity is interpreted as inability, lack of effort, and a personal failure that needs to be fixed. Higher education upholds flop concepts such as framing that not enough women and people of color want to study STEM when it is in organizations. It, this is on the organizations and institutions. This way of presenting STEM runs parallel with the colonial purposes of upholding supremacy by reducing or ignoring MVP perspectives. And this will not be resolved by only adding art to create STEAM. We must revamp our understanding of what science and technology are and how they are related to our colonial past and the ongoing intergenerational resistance to coloniality. The Western Eurocentric hack on science and technology justified white supremacy with the fabrication of the five races of man through pseudoscientific practices like phrenology, criminal anthropology, eugenics, and the farce of social Darwinism. Technology was also used to drive slavery and genocide and the obliteration of MVP, particularly in the Americas in the early 20th century under the dictatorship of Porfirio Diaz in Mexico. The indigenous Mayo and Yaqui were massacred to build railroads for industrialization and the expansion of imperialistic goals through the myth of modernity, the suffering of the conquered and colonized people appears as a necessary sacrifice and the inevitable price of modernization. Enrique Luce in 1992. The myth of modernity made indigenous perspectives seem part of a failed past due to systematic impositions like the Mexican caste system. Those at the top who were called Christians was code for white, had financial opportunities, access to education and paid less taxes. Christians would be asked to be godparents to convince the church that a child was of a higher caste as designations were made in baptismal records. So people were forced to deny who they were for a dignified way of life. Within a single individual, there could be multiple generations of resistance, coercive assimilation, or a negotiation of the two against a homogenizing universalist perspective. Latino and Hispanic are imposed and misunderstood labels. We are not all the same race. And this resistance, assimilation, and transborder thinking across those divides is multidimensional. In the myth of modernity, the ideas of what science and technology are and can be are narrowed through a matrix of power instituted in coloniality, which branches out into other imposed ideals for beauty, good, truth, and specific to us. Also, those imaginary borders are on what scholarly research and pedagogy can be. The expansion of border thinking is a major push toward the project of transmodernity, a design for multiple and diverse futures where marginalized sensibilities parallel to those belonging to MVP become then centralized. MVP sensibilities and ingenuity can include repurposing butter containers to hold beans up to providing the logic and vision necessary for the architectural project of transmodernity. Such a project requires an expansion in mainstream societal knowledge and understanding, conocimiento, which enhances the development of a proactive consciousness, conciencia, of the serious connections between dehumanization, injustice, environmentalism, sustainability, and liberation. The technological plans and diagrams for such an architecture of liberation are hidden in plain sight in public spaces around the world, which I refer to as intensified Chicano Latino art transborderscapes or ixlat. And I offer a theorization and reading of one of the largest and significant ixlat, Barrio Logan's Chicano People's Park in San Diego, 
to introduce the theoretical foundations of a new media architecture that seeks to unite arts, technology, culture, and also data analytics for the purposes of designing a conceptual framework to create a prototype tool for the exposure of art and culture from the perspective of marginalized, minoritized, and underserved communities that have been here since the beginning of the history of this nation and in the world, right? So in this way, we can counteract appropriation by expanding the transporter experience and vision further with accessible spaces for learning. Chicano People's Park is owed to the protests and demands of Chicanos for the permanence of Chicano presence. It is a pantheon to Chicano history and perspectives, a dissonant, harmonious visual chorus telling the histories of lucha, struggle, loss, victories, and the in-betweens where one is not simply oppressed or victimized, nor is one only oppressor or victimizer, rather one negotiates within the imaginary to a decolonizing otherness where all identities are at work in a way, in one way or another, Emma Perez, 1999. These symbols encapsulate projections to the transmodern future, embodied performances and expressions of border intergenerational trauma and pain in Nepantla. This interpretation of pain is related to birth giving as a metaphor for cultural activists and artistic upcycling production in relation to space, time, a perpetual and always different delivery of the diverse versions of Chicano experience. It materializes in the bifurcating freeways that emulate Tlazolteotl's gigantic legs opened with murals emanating from the in-between like kaleidoscopic fountain springs of all life forms which escape possession and are eternally communal. Conocimiento and conciencia literally uphold bridges that shelter Chicano Park's embodiment of borderscape. Artists Guillermo Gomez-Pena and Roberto Cifuentes describe borderscape as a place of difference thriving with the neoliberalist organizations, a cultural flow resulting from the process of globalization and all around possession or haunting made possible by the perpetuative movement, Kuhn 2000. According to Apadurai, the suffix scape allows us to point to the fluid, irregular shapes of these landscapes, deeply perpetual, respectable constructs inflected by the historical, linguistic, and political situations of different sorts of actors. Kuhn defines borderscapes as a web of images and ideas and proposes to focus on borderscapes that are not landscapes because enough, have, enough has been said about landscape as exemplification of the borderscape. But I propose adding the prefix trance to conceptualize the use of technology in the digital to return to the landscape but across dimensions of extended reality to focus on images and ideas. With digital media and technology, we can sensorially emulate and demonstrate the scientific expressions and technology of our conocimiento and conciencia embedded within the architecture of Ixlax. The divergent varied expressions of experience deliver the decolonial imaginary which enables an experience of conscientization to current coloniality increasing accessibility and congregation in divergent spaces of the decolonial imaginary across space and time will further intensify the liberating effect as the decolonial imaginary can help us rethink history in a way that makes Chicano agency transformative, Perez 1999. 
Introducing Ishlats to the technological and digital realm will educate on the decolonial imaginary by making it accessible and visible to the untrained in history, pedagogies, and epistemologies of liberation and resistance. The introduction of Ishlats into a digital hub of extended reality will make it possible to create international archives and databases linking symbols, themes, and histories to educate on the deep value and importance of Chicano and Latino art. My goal is to design and bring to life the portals that I see at the park itself, linking them to each located around the globe, demonstrating virtually how they're connected across space and time, making my Sintna perspective the driving force to design and produce such an experience available and accessible to the world at any moment in time via the internet. As heightened erotic, mystical, and political communal physical borderscapes, Ixlats are an antidote or mexicy, a Chicano Jewessence in resistance to what William Nericcio refers to as digital crack or the seductive hallucinations of the Mexican in America, which are composed of massively produced and broadcasted misrepresentations of Mexican, Chicano, Latino identity across media platforms. The Mexicy found in Ixlats utilizes a precursory public technology founded in interactivity and the immersive qualities of life experience available and accessible to all. Ixlats function as portals into the essence of coexisting, underrepresented pluralistic alternative orders of things. They portray the way the process of resistance through conocimiento and concientización actually looks like. They are the materialization of the embrace of our ancestral understanding of our fragmentary interconnectedness, which emanates from the growing heart of Nepantla transborder identity. It is urgent to immortalize and share the impact of each slot with the world, not only because these zones are physically and ideological, physical and ideological contact zones, but because they are places defined by parts of a cultural knowledge not sought out nor understood by the dominant identity in its ideological stance. They are open temples to resistance dedicated to our overt and loud defiant ways that yet continue to appear covert, yes, even including to some Chicanos and Latinos who were denied their own history, which is an effect of the same oppression, which has more and more people joining us in Nepantla today. Transborder escapes will aid humanity in the decolonial process embracing of Nepantla or the cracks from which blades of grass grow, the organic life and order that man failed to modify and crush. The whole and fragmentary nature of Chicano Park reminds us that man-made borders are not permanent, but malleable, disruptable, and that BIPOC, MVP, SEPNA experiences are diverse and infinite, even if apparently contradictory. The harmonious unison of all factors of transborder escapes are in the service of resistance, the recovery of history, pride, and thus such a multifaceted project of digitizing Chicano Park and each less like it will make visible the portals within their complexity and their true liberating power. Ancestors and descendants dialoguing conocimiento and conciencia lovingly, simultaneously, across space and time. Thank you. Liliana Conlis Gallegos is an Optimus Prime trauma transformer con lengua de machete who cannot help but experiment with everything, including art, virtual reality, and all forms of media. 
She is a performer of research, a translator, a filter that collects, isolates, and exposes supremacist formats while finding a way to design hubs to compile digital collections of designs, expressions, and realities a nuestro modo. For Leonardo Reviews, here is John F. Barber. Nothing but the music. Documentaries from nightclubs, dance halls, and a tailor's shop in Dakar. By Thelani Davis, Blank Forms Editions, New York, New York, 2021. Those who followed music in the 1960s, whether soul, rock, or rhythm and blues from Detroit, Memphis, Muscle Shoals, or San Francisco, or the avant-garde jazz, soul, and punk evolving along the East Coast in the 1970s and 1980s, will remember the music as documented through reviews and essays, both critical and laudatory, backstories and expository explorations in publications seeking to report on something about which many readers could only speculate, the pulse of evolving cultural movements and their accompanying soundtracks. Nothing But the Music, documentaries from nightclubs, dance halls, and a tailor's shop in Dakar by Thilani Davis fills this gap. In her latest poetry collection, Davis provides synesthetic documentary insight, a sonic social history full of anecdotal and impressionistic responses to embodied experience of the music and its creators and followers in the places and times of its creation and sharing. Davis goes aggressively for the jugular of the experience, following the soaring cycles and spirited flashes of inspired but ephemeral circuits of creativity as performed by the musicians, dancers, poets, and choreographers she chronicles in these poems. She is drawn to document the raw feelings, the smoke in the air and the empty bottles on the floor, the impulsive energy, the dance to celebrate humanity. Featured musicians and dancers include Cecil Taylor, the Art Ensemble of Chicago, Bad Brains, Henry Thirdgill, Thelonious Monk, the Revolutionary Ensemble, the Commodores, MFSB, Diane McIntyre, Ishmael Houston Jones, and others as experienced at historic venues like the Five Spot, the Village Vanguard, the Apollo, Storyville, and Club Harlem. Under this performance documentation is a foundation of in-the-moment struggle in a number of crucibles, civil rights, black power, the new left, feminism, and bohemian foment on both coasts, San Francisco and New York, all of which leave their marks on the music, are the music, in both celebration and escape. Many of the poems in this collection include dates and location. As noted by Toby Haslett in his introduction, quote, this little annotation slits the poem open. The world comes trickling in. Indeed, and animates and informs each poem with the history, hopes, questions, answers, eclipse, dreams, and hopes on the horizon carried and or pursued by each person included in the poetic context. So another lens through which to read and or experience these poems is their insight into life backstage, between and beyond the performance time or event aligned with what is happening be beyond the concert halls, 
the jazz clubs, the living rooms, and other sacred spaces where people seek to meld life with music, to make sense of struggle and love, to bend the arc of long experience between past and future to the present moment. Thalani Davis is well best positioned to document and preserve this arc. She is an interdisciplinary artist working in poetry, theater, journalism, history, and film, using all of these approaches to engage with African-American in life, culture, and history, and her concern for justice. While a student at Bernard College, Davis began her performance career, putting her words to music by Cecil Taylor, Joseph Jarman, Juju, Arthur Blythe, Mia Musaka, David Murray, Henry Threadgill, Tanya Leon, and others. Her bibliography includes Liberate for the operas X, The Life and Times of Malcolm X, and Amistad. Scripts for films, Paid and Full, Maker of Saints, award-winning PBS documentaries, the novels 1955 and Makers of Saints, and other works of poetry. Her writing for the 1993 Queen of Soul, The Atlantic Recordings by Aretha Franklin, was awarded a Grammy for liner notes, the first woman to receive this honor. She is an ordained Buddhist priest and an associate professor in the Department of Afro-American Studies and a Nellie Y. McKay Fellow at the University of Wisconsin. This latest work, Nothing But the Music, while comprised of poems that have enjoyed numerous prior anthologizations, is not simply a reprise of previous work, but an important performance statement that has the feeling of having waited for its time, like the jazz musician waiting for the right moment to launch a solo. Here, assembled for the first time, this collection is everything, including the music, and Davis holds the room and the moment with her journalistic experience and ability to incite serious political thought at a time when it is desperately needed. While Davis is a crucial figure in the cultural landscape surrounding the Black arts movement, her poems leak into the complex ecosystem of Black Lives Matter, hashtag Me Too, Say Their Names, COVID-19, Police Murders, The Tyranny and Deceit of Donald Trump, Nationalism, Populism, Activism, Protests Each Night Through the Spring and Summer, and always in the background, a solo musical performance spiraling through interpretations of the present moment where hope refuses to retreat, maintaining itself with gratitude, generous laughter, iterating future possibilities, unrehearsed but familiar from lived experience, eager to learn and experience what the soloist brings to the band. Printed in a limited edition of 2,000 copies, Nothing But the Music is an important reference, one you will want to carry with you and consult often. Reread the soaring passages, contemplate the labyrinth of life, listen to the music, for there is much there. John F. Barber is a scholar and sound artist based in Vancouver, Washington, USA. He convenes with the Creative Media and Digital Culture Program at Washington State University, Vancouver. His research, scholarship, teaching, and creative endeavors arise from the collision or collusion of art, humanities, and technology. 
Between Art and Science is a production of Leonardo, the International Society for the Arts, Sciences and Technology. Our editorial director is Erica Ruby. This episode's featured discussion was produced by the Leonardo Education and Art Forum and was coordinated by Gustavo Rincon. Leonardo Review's editor-in-chief is Michael Punt, production assistance by Tina Zermaka. Our theme music was composed by Wyatt Koish. Find out more about Leonardo, our publications and our programs at www.leonardo.info. All episodes of Between Art and Science, including expanded notes, information on contributors, and transcripts are available at leonardo.info slash podcast.